You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with Mike Rizzo, founder of the MoPros community at marketingops.com, to get his insights on how a business can start and grow their own community. You'll learn how to determine the intention or purpose of the community that you're starting, red flags you should consider or what most companies get wrong, what you should expect to invest when you're thinking about starting a community, and insights to help you determine if starting a community is even right for you and what the other options you might have are. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, Mike, you are my namesake, and we (laughs) met on Mike Rizzo, for anyone who doesn't know or... uh, or doesn't follow me. I guess I didn't give a lot of context for that. Mike, Mike, uh, Mike's last name is Rizzo, and I think you, I think you commented or like we were in, engaging with each other on someone's post on LinkedIn, and I was like, oh, another Rizzo. I never see other Rizzos, and it was in marketing, Peter, nonetheless. Pete. Oh, was yeah. it Pete's post? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Pete's post. And then like, uh, he was like, oh, you should talk to Jeremiah about this. And I was like, wait a minute. How, how did we ever end up like not interfacing as two Rizzos in the world in the land of MarTech and SaaS? Like, come on. Seriously. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. I was like, when I saw what you did, I was like, really? Like, uh, the other, the funniest thing was, didn't you say, I might be misremembering and uh, make it, setting this up for failure, but didn't you say there's another Mike Rizzo who's like also in marketing ops? Yes. Yeah, there is. That's There's uh, we joke all the time, like, will the real Mike Rizzo please stand up? Um, <laughs> so he, well, last I checked, he was with WeWork um, running marketing ops there. And wow. every once in a while, we'll incidentally tag the other, someone will incidentally tag us uh, on a, oh, on so a post in Slack or something. So yeah, it's confusing, awesome. but fun. <laughs> So Mike, for listeners, uh, is the founder of the MoPros community on marketingops.com. So, uh, I mean, Mike, the way we typically start is, can you give like the 30-second elevator pitch for the marketing ops community that you run? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The MoPros community was, first and foremost, a very selfish endeavor because I was alone uh, in a marketing ops function like many. Uh, that I started a Slack channel in 2017. And I was just like, please, somebody come hang out with me and and talk about these problems because no one understands what I'm saying to them. Uh, And over time, people found it and it grew and it grew a lot. And now we have uh, over 3,600 members as of January 5th, 2023, that is. And it evolved. It's evolved into being a community-led platform for providing access, education, and enablement and soon certification to the vocation of marketing operations. Um, And so that's what marketingops.com is today. It's um, really focused on providing all of those things I just mentioned uh, through a community-led sort of motion. Um, Effectively, you know, what do you all want? How do we shape this industry, or sorry, this vocation, and what it really means to be a marketing operations professional, and how do we enable that? Uh, And so that's, that's what we're focused on now. It's awesome. I think um, this is going to be a fun episode because if you are a regular listener of the show, um, you know that typically, you know, we sort of take a metric and chat about how someone worked to grow it or improve it step by step, kind of like the levers they pulled and things like that. This will be a bit more free flowing and open around a topic that I feel like I see trending on LinkedIn all the time, which is like, I feel (laughs) like I see uh, 
I see a lot of buzzwords or talk around the idea of community-led growth or being a community-led founder. You're actually someone who's been in the world of community for a long, long time. Um, so I'm really excited to like get your thoughts on this. You've actually like grown a community. You can speak to some of the difficulties, some of the things that have worked, some of the things that haven't. Because um, I, I feel like community is kind of like having a peak moment right now. Like if you're, if you're on LinkedIn <laughs> at all, like for any length of time. And then, and it's just like, Oh, if I'm not, if I don't have a community in 2023, I'm missing out. And I feel like this is going to be a fun chat for me to, to pick your brain on. Like, is that totally true? Is that applicable to everybody? <laughs> or are there certain, you know, people that should not be thinking about starting a community? Um, it's one of those things that like gets good engagement, but is harder to execute than I think, it sounds so anyway i'm excited to chat about all these things with you yeah me too i appreciate that uh, it's gonna be fun for sure <laughs> all right so i guess there's a few ways we could start we have a lot of topics here on the little google sheet to cover what let's start here what do you think how how do you define community-led growth and we'll, we'll start there and then we'll back it into like actually creating a community for a brand but Community-led growth. There's a lot of talk about this. What do you think it means to be to do uh, execute community-led growth or to be a community-led founder? That's it is it is difficult to answer that um, depending on sort of your motion in the market, right? So I can speak to the way that it's worked for us and the, you know, and you sort of heard it in our intro, right. And how I described what we're doing today um, for me and the marketingops.com team and community of the MoPros community led growth for us is all about what is the market talking about and what is our direct set of members inside of our community? What are the challenges that they're faced with today? And then how do we enable them to, to overcome those challenges or to educate them on how to, you know, develop in their career. And, and we didn't start out with this mission of, oh, we want to be, you know, uh, the educational provider for marketing ops professionals, right? Uh, we didn't start out with the vision that, hey, marketing ops professionals are completely misunderstood and you know it, it was felt, but it, it didn't feel like a problem we needed to go solve. What ended up happening is conversations kept coming up and it was like, man, did anybody see this job description? This thing's all over the place. Like this isn't a marketing ops job. This is everything. It's social, it's demand gen, it's you know email marketing, it's marketing automation, it's data analysis. And so over time, what's evolved has become the community-led sort of platform for success and enablement of this vocation because those conversations led us in the direction of we need to help solve those problems. And, so do you, oh, sorry, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, and I was just going to say the last piece of that is if you're listening and you're creating an environment to allow for those conversations to take place, or you're asking questions within the, the construct of that ecosystem, ecosystem that you're trying to serve or that particular niche that you're trying to serve, then you have the opportunity to, to listen and get that feedback and then move in the direction of community-led, right? But it's being intentional about creating that, like fostering conversation, right? But you can't just foster conversation and like not digest it. Like it, it's, 
it's like reading comprehension tests when we were kids, <laughs> right? You, you would read a book and then they would test you, like, how much of that did you actually remember? <laughs> right, yeah. Or did you actually understand? Um, like, community, community-led growth is totally about, like, reading comprehension, right? <laughs> like, mm. like, am I understanding what the community is actually struggling with? And is there a way that our organization, whether you happen to be a technology provider or just a community of practice like us, is there a way we can help? Do you think, um, I'm going to ask questions like from the point of like a novice exploring this, like, do you think community led growth is ultimately, uh, or, or community led, I don't know if I want to say growth, but being community led is synonymous. Like if anyone who has a community is the point ultimately to you to, from that community get direction and inspiration for features to build that solve their pains or content to create, to educate them or like, or is it, is it a motion that could be separate from just having a community? In other words, could a, say there's a B2B marketer listening, who's exploring this idea and they, they, they know as much as to know they, they should have a community. They want to start a community um, for their brand is it possible for them to just have a community or does, does a real good community necessitate that your company is going to take action and continue evolving and innovating that and like influence, is it going to draw like what the product should be created about or like what education should come from it? Or can you have, like, can it simply be sort of, I think as often it's thought of as like just a marketing play. Like this is like, uh, a newsletter list that we just interact with on Slack a little bit more or something, or we have put a job board up or something, you know, we, we keep our brand in front of them or does there always need to be for good communities? Does it always necessitate that you take action from that and kind of build around as a result of that community? Yeah, I think, I, th- I think there's, there's a right answer in each one of those different kinds of examples. Um, the important piece is the intentionality of your community. So, I, you know, I can't claim this model by any stretch. I do think it was originally published by the CMX uh, organization, now powered by Bevy, um, but it was a community for community builders. <laughs> so, super meta. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which was awesome, but they popularized a model that they refer to as spaces. And each, each letter stands for a different sort of style or offering of community that you can be intentional about. And so just to read what those are, it's, you know, support type of community, a product community, an acquisition focused kind of engagement environment, a contribution type of environment, an engagement environment, or a success environment. And and the reason that you end up honing in on that model is that each one of those will have different measures. So as you think about, you know, your podcast sort of vision and what you talk about all the time, each one of those has a different methodology by which it will be measured. And and it's not going to be one-to-one, right? Like you're not going to always be able to say that by um, creating a support focused community, I'm going to be able to directly tie this community's you know dollar for dollar value and decreasing support costs inside of our SaaS company or something like that. Right. But there's intentionality with which you focus on developing that community and then you architect the environment to support that vision of what you think that community is going to be. 
And so for the for the SaaS organization who wants to think of it, if there's a demand gen marketer out there who wants to try to build a acquisition sort of community, um, you know, I think there's there's groups out there that are doing this really well. Like look at what metadata does around sort of like the demand sort of model that they the, the event that they put on, like they categorized a conversation and then they brought a bunch of people around to talk about it. Um, and then they sort of keep that motion going over time. Um, I think that's that's being done well. HubSpot did it right from the very beginning. They they centered it on this theme of inbound and then they educated the market and then they got a bunch of people to talk about, well, what does it really mean and how are you doing it and all of those kinds of things. Um, but building a community for acquisition, like is it's fine. It's a perfectly fine strategy to go uh, tackle, but it is inc- like incredibly difficult to mm. accomplish. And for the reason that I just stated a moment ago, it is never going to be one-to-one. <laughs> like Just right. like every other marketing metric that we measure, right? Yeah. right? Like attribution is impossible. It's never perfect. Um, just understand that if you're creating conversation, it is going to help you in the long run but it may not be black and white zeros and ones. Um, and, and, and if you are going to build a acquisition sort of community on the demand gen side, um, go back to what I said a moment ago and just be intentional about it. Like it's okay for you as a brand. And I think Jer- Jeremiah, you and I talked about this a little bit when we were first talking about like, Hey, what are we going to discuss on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay for you to brand a podcast with your brand name and say this podcast is owned by this brand and make that very clear distinction. And even to remind people occasionally, like this is powered by this organization, but it's also equally okay for you to separate those things. As long as you always remain true to the intentionality of whether or not you decided to put the brand with it or you didn't, you just need to make sure that that line never gets really blurry and people feel like you, you somehow like, um, pulled the rug out from under the, underneath them, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, for listeners, um, you know, we had a we had a pre call a few weeks ago, and one of the interesting things was just all the ways, like Mike's alluding to, like that you could approach this. Like some people put their low. Wait, I think you used the podcast analogy of like some mm-hmm. people, like on like on this podcast, we have the data box logo. It's subtle, and that's it. Other times, you could. I've seen brands do shows that look completely artistic and standalone and you would never know they weren't from the brand. And it, you know, you might have the pros or benefits of getting more implicit trust and buy-in because people don't think it's like from a brand and trying to sell them, but then it's a little harder to tie over to your brand. Or you can put your brand front and center and be like, Hey everyone, like this is from this brand. So like, let's get it out there in the open. And that might put some people off a little bit, but then but then the connection's really clear. So yeah, there, there's mm-hmm. this. Um, so when and there's when, there's value like just just on that for a second. Like there's value yeah. in each one of those methodologies. It's just like starting out with this vision in mind, right? Like that's very specific to the podcast example. For this case, uh, we'll just stay there. But like, if you start out with this, like, hey, we're doing it this way because, right? And you, and this is why we want to do it this way. Um, In the example where you're like, I'm just going to create a show that's really talking, like generating conversation about the space that we care about, the the back end, you know, for all of us demand gen marketers out there that are thinking about content and demand capture and all that kind of stuff, like in that example where you pull apart the brand super far away from some sort of engagement like that is 
now go target your ICP and have a conversation with them because guess what? <laughs> you just met them and now you built a relationship and like you're doing really long tail lead nurture, like, you know, relationship building. Right. right. And that's, that's your strategy. I pulled it super far apart, but I want to talk to our ICP on at least, you know, three out of the seven conversations that we have in a quarter or whatever. Right. Right. So anyway, you can bring it back together and still get value out of it, but like never go and hard sell somebody or go the other direction and just lean all the way in. So yeah. anyway, there's always ways to fit it together, but just like communicate it clearly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about putting a community together. Um, obviously, uh, you know, like I guess taking a step back from it's super helpful to hear you articulate like the starting with the end in mind and like the approaches, like, is this going to be a community, like a customer led community where they're going to like, and the purpose of it is to get product ideas or product testing and feedback, or is this an acquisition focused community? So it's super, but taking, I guess, a step even further back from that, what do you think when, if a brand is considering getting into community aside from the five, like what, like, you know, strategies or, or, or approaches of what they want out of it, what are some among those five, there have to be these overlapping tenants. Like there have to be like commonalities or rules of where like good companies always have these things or like people that try this and fail. Do you have any things that you see uh, communities like thriving communities doing really well that listeners could take away? And then like what, or, or you could start with the other way. Like what are some things you see brands get wrong a lot that are like, Oh, you know, community 2023 and they jump into it and they just really get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think the, pro the, the, the getting it wrong piece happens when you jump into it. Um, I, I'll, I'll come around on some of this stuff, but um, to start off with, I do think that anyone who's ever built a product like your product managers, right? Um, they do user research, right? They, they go talk, they, they have a hypothesis, um, either led by a founder or their own, you know, feedback loops that they've received. They have a hypothesis and then they go and they talk to a, a small contingency of their current or prospective users and they try to validate whether or not they can solve a problem with the, the features that they're thinking of building or the ones that they've recently built. Um, building a community is no different than that, right? So you shouldn't start a community until you talk to your current or prospective customers about what it is that they think a community should be as it relates to your organization. And like, mm -hmm. you can completely open-ended that up. And, and the way that I did that at Mavenlink, which is now Cantata, is I went to every customer sort of across the board, right? It was like smaller up to enterprise customers. And I did hour, if they gave me an hour, <laughs> I did hour long conversations, I think with nearly 30 of them. And I said, hey, this is something we're looking to do. We want to create a space that's valuable to you. What in your mind is a valuable value add type of approach that we could make to this, to this community project? Right. And, and it could be everything under the sun. It could be a forum. It could just be small group meetups. I can tee you up with some ideas. But have you ever been in a community before? What did you like about that? Even if it was a cooking class that you were in for like seven months and you just stayed there for a while. Like, tell me about your experiences 
because we have a hypothesis that a community will be valuable to you, but we need to validate what that would be, right? And so I think jumping into it is where companies get it wrong. And then once you start to formulate more of what that picture looks like through that sort of user feedback piece, you can then come together on what is the strategic approach to enabling this conversation or to enabling this community uh, to fulfill on, on what we believe it should be. And so again, just kind of looking back at the, the experience I had with Mavenlink. So this is a B2B SaaS organization. It's a community for users. I built their customer advisory board too. So very different approaches to the way you engage with those audiences. But this, the community we ended up building was first and foremost, a support organization focused on trying to help them discover and, and increase their ability to have success within the product, which meant there was a lot of motions that we focused in on with the client success organization and a little bit with our partner channel organization because the partners can indirectly benefit from that too, right? Where they come in and they, ex they could run a session on how to do XYZ inside of the product. Um, we focused on programming around providing support and really enabling them like branching off of that rapidly was product. There was already a motion in play for like, give me your feature requests and we'll try to vote on them. But there was a rapid succession of like, will we get to a place where there's like a public voting sort of thing? A lot of companies are afraid of that. I, I understand why. Um, but you could pretty rapidly like move into that direction too. And really all of that was influenced by, here's what this these user research sort of initiatives told us. And then how do you go and create programming in that framework, right? I, I wouldn't have created those programs if I was trying to build an acquisition community, right? Mm. And, and granted, I was starting with like more customers. So of course our customers are not gonna tell us to go build an acquisition community. But what can happen from there is now I'm observing what's happening. I see the problems that our customers are most commonly having inside of the product which means that there's front-end education in the market that we need to go think about, right? Like, I was going to say on that note, just to, yeah. just to, <laughs> um, like on specifically on that point, it sounds like what you're saying is like when, you, if you go and have these conversations and they're articulating something like, I'm just thinking, uh, Hypothetical, like the, the examples coming to mind is Databox. They they say, okay, I want to know like the, the, a common pain point. Maybe they articulate when we interview them is I want to know how to actually move the needle on a metric. And it's like, well, there's not going to be any product that can like spell that out for you because we serve so many different ICPs. Mm -hmm. You know, different uh, co you know contextual like your products are all different. But then that might be okay then maybe the community is like a move the needle community, you know, where like people can surface ideas and what's worked for them in this and the past, or maybe it fronts an education need or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like spot on where um, if you've sort of ascertained or surmised that there's like sort of an anchor you can hold on to that is like relative to your audience's desires to learn and to your brand's uh, ability to fulfill even tangentially to it, then like anchor onto that and then sort of build off of, off of the hypothesis, right? And um, I, I like, again, on the Mavenlink side of things, you know, there were a number of different types of clients on professional services that were served, um, you know, financial services, marketing agencies, you name it. And there was, at one point, there was going to need to be a decision on 
you know, should we create more education around um, managing, you know, a certain type of a professional services organization because it was clear that, you know, we were either doing really well or maybe not doing so well. Like, you know, so we were rapidly honing in on, okay, well, what are the rest of the programs that we could like anchor onto so that um, whether it's top of funnel or all the way down, you know, enabling the customer success side of things, uh, we can create that education uh, in, in all those ways that you're sort of saying. Like, it, yeah, spot on. If you anchor onto something and you have that um, that point to just like say, hey, this is what we're trying to drive home, uh, it's super, super helpful. Yeah. Where, where do you think... Um... I mean, it sounds like as close as you can stay to your customers and like you're kind of getting feedback on what they would want to, I like existing customers, what do you need to take it to the next level to like further solve the problem that you came to our product to solve or like, what would you most like? Like, so it sounds like they might surface that, that in some cases, it sounds like could dictate one of those five approaches that you use. Like maybe a lot of them are like, well, we'd love maybe their answers dictate like what they really want is just a way to vote in on the product. And it ends up morphing to like more of like feedback on the product and maybe it's more education centered or maybe, um, <clears throat> what do you mm -hmm. feel like, what are the, what are some ways that companies make mistakes in this? Like I'm thinking, um, I'm, I'm thinking of like, there's gotta be a struggle that like you launch it, like this has to have happened a lot of times. Cause I know this happens with like podcasts or other pieces of content like this, like where you launch the thing and maybe you had like the initial 50 people like raise their hands and seed it. But it's just like, but it's even more than any other kind of marketing channel. You have zero control over the engagement you drive from it. Like you can't make them talk to one another <laughs> or engage with one another. Um, so like how, how do you avoid Started like yeah, I don't know how to ask this. I guess I'm trying to ask two yeah. questions. One is what are what are like what are like red flags uh, or or ways that you don't want to start a community, and what are ways that like you can increase actual engagement in the community when you see it start or like is fizzling like a side of a sign of like oh maybe we like took the wrong approach here. <laughs> Definitely a sign of that. Um, all right, so first and foremost. Um, don't build a community on Facebook if all of your users are on LinkedIn, right? Like, okay, like, simple. like, like go, go where, go where they are. Okay. Um, that's, that's a starting point. Um, make a decision on how much of it you want to control and own. So do you want to buy a forum software? Do you need it to be on, um, you know, somehow tied to your, to the rest of your sales funnel, like Salesforce marketing, uh, cloud, type of stuff, right? The, the um, community cloud or whatever they call it nowadays. Yeah. Um, so, you know, build in that stack if you needed the data to be passed through there or build in a forum if you need the forum capabilities, et cetera. Um, and then when it comes to seeding, so like build an environment where it's going to be accessible. Uh, the other piece of that that I'll, that I'll call out on is oftentimes the community builder and manager like a company's going to get it wrong if you don't have a community manager, like full time, hard stop. <laughs> like there is no world in which the community like and really it's the moderator more than anything else. Um, just like in marketing operations, unfortunately, you know, you're a lot is put on your plate 
as I alluded to earlier, you're often looked at as like an email marketer and all these things at once. Um, a community manager will not be an excellent engager and moderator of a community while also being able to push forward on the agenda of a strategic sort of growth pattern uh, for for a long period of time. They will reach burnout. So there there are very distinctly different roles. So if you're going to invest in community, like you need to go all in and you need to think about like what is the you know year to three year sort of immediate time horizon to make that happen. And in order to start seeding that success, as you were asking a moment ago, um, there's no silver bullet like in all things. But my recommendation is, and and there's people far smarter than I that have built community and have lots of, there's books on this stuff you can go get. Um, but my recommendation is to, I'll kind of go back to this idea of building sort of a support community or one that's driven by your kind of current user base that you have a relationship with. Make them feel really special. Find like 50 of them if you can. If you're a smaller startup, find your first five and just like don't build a forum for, for 10 customers, right? Like, but if you're a larger organization, go find all of your power users and tell them, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to give you exclusive access. We're actually going to immediately recognize you as like this expert in our space. Um, and if you can, you know, we've teed up a few questions. Here they are. These are the ones that we think are probably going to generate the most activity right out of the gate. And if you'd like to pick one of these and ask them for us, that would go like a world's a long way for us to getting this thing off the ground because, you know, we think that you'd be really well suited to be able to help answer and, and make this community happen. And we're totally willing to invest in you too, right? Like we appreciate you as the person that you are. And we're only going to start with like 50 to 100 people. And then we're going to open it up to another 150 and then another 150. And so each time you do that wave, there's this like hint of exclusivity, right? So like we've only invited 50 people. Come hang right. out. Right. And then it's like we've only invited 100 people. You're in the group. Come hang out. And eventually you open it all the way up, right? And so there's that. That can help increase the traction, Um and so, oh, and the one thing I forgot to say a moment ago is where you can drop that link to your community on your website, in your product, like wherever it can live, make sure that it's as easy to find as possible. Because again, go, like you, you need to go where your, your people are, where your community is. Uh, and so make it really easy for them to sort of navigate their way there. And then the last piece I would say about um, failure is just, like not like don't don't rush into it right like you you can't just expect to turn the lights on and then um and don't set up set the expectations to be like oh we're gonna have <laughs> like we're gonna have a 10 percent engagement rate like it's never gonna happen <laughs> like like one to two percent of your community will be like active avid users and the rest will be lurkers like Set that bar low. <laughs> but see, like that's a really good point because that doesn't mean that it's not working or that they're right. or that the community's not getting value. Cause yeah, I think it could feel like I like you know, sometimes it can feel that way if you're part of a if you've ever been part of a community where engagement is low but the number is high, it's like mm -hmm. it's hard to know whether like but yeah, it's it's a good point. Like it could just be people lurking um like I lurk all the time on Reddit. That's like I go to Reddit for like almost everything when I'm like you know, recommendations for this or for that, or like, you know, best place to vacation here or whatever. It's like, 
but I'm not like actively participating in all of these forums. I'm just there, you know, engaging it. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask a couple (laughs) questions around, are there around any parameters that business or uh, yeah, parameters that businesses could quickly evaluate whether they should consider this or whether they need to do a bit more work before they should launch one. So a couple I'm thinking is, for example, do you need as a company to at least have a somewhat defined and narrow ICP or can it be fairly mm. broad? Like what, in other words, if a company is thinking about doing it, um, like again, I'll use Databox as an example. We, we are used by a lot of agencies, but also by a lot of SaaS products, you know, SaaS marketers and e-com managers and things like that. Would that be something that you'd want to like make the community for a certain job title or demographic? Or is it okay to, in that case, can you keep the audience broad, but you'd maybe want to niche the community around a certain topic like hey you can be from any background or any like icp but we're only going to talk about like this here or how yeah is how how do you think about that Mm -hmm. like what would a company need to have figured out before they come um you know or or do this yeah i think uh it, it definitely goes back to sort of your decision on on that spaces model um you know, what is it that you're trying to, what kind of outcome do you want to achieve? Um, and I think if you're, you're looking at something like a contribution, um, type of environment, that would be, that would be like your Reddit, right? Like, so the idea there is that you're increasing the, the amount of contribution to like a code base or, you know, some sort of, um, forum or something like that. Um, then you're, you're probably getting into an environment where, as a brand, as a single entity brand that isn't like just creating a community for the sake of community, you're probably more in the space of, all right, there's this category that we sort of want to discuss. And I think as you branch down, you know, for the example of Databox, you you may be able to say, uh, categorically, here's this theme. And then you create these little sub <laughs> reddits, right? Subreddits uh, or like these Slack subgroups. channels or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's these subgroups that are very purposefully... Um, you know, uh, tailored environments for a very particular type of person or background mm. or title or something, a role level. I prefer role level over titles. I, I, I think that that helps uh, a lot. Um, but it could be the other way too, where it's just like, look, our, we know for a darn fact that like this audience has a lot to say when they've had, you know, uh, eight years of experience in sort of this general industry category. They've used these products. And so this environment is is specifically built to help them uh, navigate the the challenges of the, the job that they, you know, f- are in today. You see a lot of that with like, um, I think it's like Sales Hacker and, and even like RevOps, uh, RevGenius and things like that, right? Like RevGenius is honed in, at least from what I can tell, they've really honed in on this like sales development BDR kind of function. And they're really focusing on enabling that and providing conversation around there. But they have the opportunity to grow further out into more RevOps, right? right. Um, but they, they found like a niche where they can provide value. And so... They started with a theme and then they honed in on one audience. <laughs> right. Um, it sounds like I'm saying yes to everything, 
because I am right. It's just it, it largely right. depends on exactly like what you want to try to drive home. I think uh, Metadata is a great example of the demand thing, right? Like they mm-hmm. they honed in on a theme and then they made sure to drive conversation around that. Um, inbound, another one, a theme, <laughs> and eventually over time, what you've seen from the HubSpot side of things, right, is a total, I wouldn't say it's a departure by any stretch, but they've done the community game really well. Marketo has too, right? They, they literally like owned the conversation around marketing ops because it was a technical product. Um, and so they, def- they practically define marketing ops for the last 10 years. Um, but HubSpot has now shifted and they're like, look, we, we're good at this community game. We actually went and, what do they buy? Like community, I think it's like community something.org or something like that. They, they oh, wow. literally have a new domain centered around community. Um, and then they're leaning in super hard on the new sort of RevOps category, right? Okay. And so they're trying to like focus in on servicing a very specific audience and a very specific um, sort of set of messaging. Um, but they're they're leaning in super hard on community. This The takeaway from this episode for anybody that's listening shouldn't be that you need to go start a community. <laughs> right. Um, like I would, I would, I would, um, push you very hard to consider that if you do start it, it's very intentional. It's around the spaces model. Go to cmxhub.com and go look that up or just Google spaces model for communities. Um, and then, and decide if one of those is really appealing and you want to go service a piece of your business in a way, but I would overwhelmingly recommend that there's a very high likelihood that your audience of buyers, current customers, you name it, they're already somewhere else. Uh, and you know, I'm in the very small group of five community builders. We like calling ourselves like this mafia group, which is super funny because like, we're not that special, but, um, we're having a lot of fun and, and we all just talked about how we just dropped out of a bunch of communities recently. Right. Cause there's just, mm. there's just so many of them. Um, and so please don't let this episode like make you think that <laughs> you should just go start a community. <laughs> right. And I, and I think that's like been my hesitation when I think about it is it feels like anything in marketing by the time it's like a trending topic on LinkedIn, it's already saturated. And you know, it's not, and again, like not that it's too late. Cause I, I think you've painted both sides really beautifully here. It's like, if you're willing to kind of, you know, commit one to three years Start by talking to your customers, understanding deeply the things that they value and the things they want to learn or get out of this that like your product doesn't offer. They're not finding that elsewhere and they're not pure education, like things you could just create. Like maybe it just, you know, the exploration and research just turns into a newsletter. Um, Mm -hmm. But then it feels like if you're willing to invest that time and there is a number of them raising their hands around a common issue and you have the goal in mind, you use the spaces model, you have the goal in mind so you're not setting the wrong expectations and you're not disappointed when you don't crack uh, 2% engagement rate (laughs) on your Slack channel or whatever it is, um, then it can be a valuable thing. But I think it's one of those things where like just as many people should not do it and should just be like, Oh, actually our audience is here and we could go sponsor that newsletter. We could sponsor that podcast or, 
you know, yeah. whatever, whatever it may be, work with communities like yours to get in front of, you know, the, the same audience because it is a ton of work. Um, oh, and, and devote a full-time community manager, like you right. said, that, that's the other yeah. uh, commitment. So yeah, yeah I, you, I, you I need like you've painted both sides well. <laughs> you need headcount for sure. And like, look, I also don't want anybody listening to this to be like, ah, well, we should just go sponsor uh, Pavilion and RevGenius and MarketingOps.com. Like, uh, that isn't the takeaway either. Like, I'm not here to like claim that that's that's where you should go put your dollars, or that's exactly where your ICP and your audience is in any of those spaces. They all have programs for you, um, but I can tell you that to each their own, right? Like uh, the Chili Piper crew uh, that was that that was once was because there was a a round of layoffs recently. But the Chili Piper crew, they did a lot of research. Um, we talked about it. Right. And they said, no, we're not going to build our own community. Everybody else has already got these communities. Like, let's yeah. just go create value add conversations in those spaces uh, because they understood that community was value first. Right. And I'm not there to just hawk my wares. Um, and so you can do that and you can still have a winning strategy. Uh, people are like winning strategy, Mike. They did a layoff like, no, they 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 definitely got a lot of conversation and traction out of the efforts that they put out there. Um, hmm. But you can equally have the same winning strategy if you have the dedicated resources, the headcount, the budget, and the frame of mind that you are building against a, a very specific sort of uh, purpose. Um, it, is, it is building a product. It is building a product right alongside your customers. The product just happens to be um, a space that, you know, is communal or product feedback or, or, or it's focused on empowering them. Right? Yeah. That happens all the time too. Yeah. And that's what I think of when I think about communities like, um, Dave Gerhardt's like DGMG or exit five community. Now that yeah, that's a really it. great like, example, you know, like that's pure, like him just saying, I was in this role. What do you want to know from other people that were in this role? And what do you want to know from each other? Um, and it's a thriving Facebook community and it was centered around, you know, a role in that case. And it was just pure education. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of good examples out there. Um, it's helpful. Like that's why it's a difficult one to have a conversation around. Cause it's not like linear. There's so many use cases. There's so many examples. Like, should you do it? Well, it kind of depends. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you for helping us think through all this and a lot of insights here. Where can people hit you up with maybe further questions or join the community if they're marketing ops people? Yeah, uh, well, marketingops.com uh, is the place to go. We, we very intentionally built that environment for you to have a free profile that speaks to your skills in a way that I, I you know, we're not trying to compete with LinkedIn here, but uh, LinkedIn just won't showcase you quite that well. Um, and so we created a profile experience that can showcase you in a very unique way. And then we have a community on Slack that for as long as Salesforce doesn't want to take away the free uh, Slack environment, we're going to let you come hang out and talk shop with all these marketing ops pros. And, and we do have a membership model. We would love for you to become a member um, and and hang out and take advantage of some of those perks. But otherwise, uh, really, it's just about continuing to drive um, awareness and value for this really important vocation of marketing operations. Um, and I think we're doing a good job. I, I feel like we're on the right path, but would love to have you come hang out with us. And in terms of following me or asking me questions, certainly in Slack, uh, where the community lives, the MoPros community. But uh, on LinkedIn, I am uh, 
you know, forward slash Mike D as in David. That is my middle name, Rizzo, R-I-Z-Z-O. And so you can find me on LinkedIn and uh, connect with me there. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing all this insight, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me, my namesake. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.